Welcome to Surviving the Ground. No idea what episode this is, but uh, <laughs> we are broadcasting again from uh, Addison out here. Uh, we're joined by, of course, my father, Joe Adante, and then my grandfather, also Joe Adante. Hi, everybody. Glad to be back. So, oh, did you did you want to say any hi or you want to say hi to the audience? Dad? Proof of life. Well, there's a couple of things I want to talk about. <laughs> and he's at it again. <laughs> Can't one of, stop one him. One of the things is the Blackhawks, and the other one is the Cubs. Well, we'll get to that at some point here. I mean, being Chicago-based, we're going to have to, whether I want to or not. Um, so today's show, we're going to try and uh, uh, discuss, we'll discuss some Chicago goings here in the beginning, uh, and then we'll probably move on to some... Uh, Oh, I'm I'm in love with the transaction of the free agent market right now. So, um, but what I want to start with is uh, overseas, talking about uh, Liverpool, three losses in a row as of this moment. Uh, one in yeah. the one in the Premier League, of course. But um, yeah, I know uh, you know, Dad. I know you're you're another fan of it, and uh, it's just, it's. You know they're gonna they're gonna win the league. Uh, it would appear yeah. at this point yeah. with a runaway, but it's just kind of sad not to get that edge. Yeah, and we talk about them because they were the biggest story in world sports, really, uh, through uh, what was it, twenty seven games or whatever. They had the highest point total in the history of soccer of the five major you know European soccer leagues. Uh, only one draw, the rest wins. It was sensational. You know they still were in the FA Cup. Uh, of course, they're still in the Champions League, so it was just going to be a historic season. Now, you know, they've, they've lost to Watford, of all people, 3 nothing. A uh, horrible performance all around. And now they lost again earlier today, 2 to nothing to Chelsea in the, uh, the League Cup, or FA Cup, rather. So that's done. So to your point, I mean, now you're looking at a situation where instead of being a historically sensational season, it... It might just merely be a good one. I mean, that maybe the only thing they do is because they have such a big point lead. Still, the only thing they may do is 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 win the Premier League. I mean, granted, it'd be it'd be rough for me to shrug off winning your first title in thirty years, but yeah, you know, it's just nice to finally have that, even if you can't finish a miraculous season. I mean, they're still, um, they're still hanging on to the Champions League for now. Yeah, um, they're going to play Atletico Madrid in the reverse uh, match uh, next Wednesday. Of course, they lost the first leg, one nothing, uh, at Madrid. So it's really critical. Uh, the problem is, if they, if you know, if they give up any goals at all, it's going to be tough to win the the match because the tiebreaker is away goals, and they didn't score any at Madrid. Yeah, I mean, basically, any goal that Madrid scores away is basically going to be worth an extra goal. Yeah. So um, if, if even if Atletico Madrid gets one goal, the, for example, Liverpool would have to win by two. Otherwise, they lose the match. So I, they got their work cut out for them. As long as they don't give up any goals, it won't be too bad. But yeah. but the, here's the thing. I don't know what the heck has happened. I mean, a slump, obviously. You know, that happens to a lot of teams. But my goodness, I mean, they've had basically the same lineup. How do you go three games without scoring a single goal? I, I couldn't believe that they actually had their regular starters on hand to lose yeah. the game at Watford, that was a that was a complete. You know, my mind was blown. I mean, obviously some some very bad defensive play because there was a lot of breakaways. 
um, in that game. But you know, it's just gonna they're gonna have to bounce back because obviously there still are games required to win the league. It's not an outright yet, you know. But it, it would have been they're still in really good position there. But it's just really sad that you thought maybe they're only like four games away. And if they can't win some games here down the stretch, they're going to get kind of close. Well, this was supposed to be the easy part of their schedule. You know, Watford being one of the easy teams, they're with their way down there. I mean, they're fighting to avoid relegation. So, uh, you know, when they lost that game a couple weeks ago to Madrid, Athletic Madrid, one zip, you thought, well, not good, but, you know, not a big deal. But then they lost 3-0 to Watford, and you're like, whoa. Like I say, what about these defensive breakdowns and still no scoring? Now they lost to Chelsea. You're like, well, you know, slump. But I mean, this is, you know, not a disaster yet, but it it could be big. I mean, they're going to win the league only because they're still 22 points up with only 10 games left. Now, granted, it's probably going to get shaved to 19 after uh, Manchester with their game in hand. They'll probably win their next game most likely. But you know, if you got a 19 point lead, 10 to play, it'd be hard to blow it. Yeah, uh, but you know, you gotta wonder. I I just don't know what's happened other than just you know an unexplained just a slump. Well, I know they had a they had an injury in the backfield, and it seemed like their defense their defense was particularly hurt in that Watford game. Um, yeah, but you know what? The only thing it, that matters is Van Dyke. You know, Van Dyke is the yeah. glue that holds everything together, and he was healthy. And, and realistically, they should have scored some goals regardless. Yeah, yeah you go on three games without scoring a goal. I mean, Esterly to me is a big part of the problem. But Van Dyke is the glue that that. You know, if he was gone, I, I could understand. But he's been there all those games. And who his partner is is really, you know, realistically not that important. Van Dyke is the whole thing. And their goalie. Their goalie's been sensational this year until the last couple of games. I can't really blame him for the losses. Yeah. Know, it's a team loss. But I, I, I just think it's going to be something to really scrutinize now because this could have been historically the best season any pro team has ever had in the world. And now it's already kind of gone by the wayside. The best they can do, which will still be a good year, but the best they can do is win the Premier League and maybe the maybe the Champions League. But I'd say at this point, I don't know. I, they're very much in doubt in the Champions League. All right. Well, I feel I feel uh, we're gonna finally bring in the third third co-host here. <laughs> You've been comfortable over there for the for the last five minutes. I know nothing about Liverpool. <laughs> Well, anyway, I think it's time to transition a little more to the Chicago realm. So I think um, some uh, mixed results, mostly mostly bad results in the in the last maybe you know ten game run, so to speak. But uh, the Blackhawks have put themselves in a in a rather interesting position. But I kind of wanted to get your two thoughts on uh, what you guys thought was um, well, maybe but- looking forward, maybe looking forward for the Hawks. Maybe if we're gonna, if are we writing them off this year? Well, they've written themselves off with their white flag <laughs> trades. <laughs> well, well so, as far as yeah. talking about the Blackhawks, I think the fat lady's singing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think, I think I'd at this switch over to the Cubs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think at this point in time, it's it's, it's mainly about, um, I guess, looking looking forward from here because obviously a lot of rookies really showed um, some uh, some really good uh, talent out there. I know they had a uh, Kubalik who's been absolutely riding high in the rookie goal to, uh, totals right now, and now they're um, brought in a new, another goalie, and now um, there's a bunch of other rookies that were yeah, also doing good. Yeah, they got a new goalie now. What's his name? Malcolm Subin. Oh, I wanted to I wanted to let him. 
roll with it for a little uh, bit. He would just ask me for the tenth time what his name is. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I beat him to the punch. I forgot his name. <laughs> Malcolm Subin. Yeah, the younger brother of P.J. Subin, the defenseman. Yeah. So you want to see next it? year would be a better year. Yeah, yeah, so we can hope for. So you want to see the new goalie play, Dan? Yeah, I would like to see the new goalie play. So what's going to happen? Here's the question. What's There's gonna still ha- 16 games, I think. Yeah. Well, mathematically, they're not eliminated, as you pointed out early in the evening. But the thing is, is that uh, because of teams getting a point, you know, every time they get into overtime, it's hard to overcome the teams that are ahead of you. And so they're they're basically, even if they won all the games the rest of the year, I think it might be tough to make the playoffs. But what do you think about now next year? They got rid of, of the goalie, Lunner. Crawford is in his last year of his contract. So what are they going to do next year with the goalies? What do you think? Boy, I don't know. I think they should deal with Crawford. We need Crawford. So you think they should keep Crawford? I think they should keep Crawford. All depends how much money he wants. I don't know. He's making six mil a year this year. I'm sure he'd probably want a similar amount or more. He's going to be. Can they afford Crawford? Well, he's 35 now. He's going to be 36 next year, so I don't know. I mean, they can afford him in terms of salary cap, but they got other positions to think about. See, that's the thing. Yeah. So, like Debrinket, for example, I don't have it in front of me, but you know, Debrinket was making a small amount of money. It was less than a million. And next year he's going to be going up uh, to making several million a year. I think he's out of his three or four million a year for the next three years. It might be more than that even, but so that's going to soak up a lot of the salary cap. But I think I think one of the big takeaways this year, as you mentioned, is Dominic Kubalik really was a breakout star. Hopefully, it's not a fluke. Uh, but they're going to have to sort out this goalie situation. I mean, are they going to just go with two real inexpensive goalies next year so they really free up the cap, or like you say, are they going to bring in? A, Crawford back? Or are they going to bring in uh, another veteran goalie? There'll be some I would like cut. to see Crawford come back. Yeah. I thought Crawford's pretty good. Yeah, he's, he's done well this year. Yeah, he's really done good. I think the main concern with him was the uh, concussions that he's had in the past, but it uh, seems to be okay this year. But I would like to see the new goalie play. <clears throat> I'm sure we'll get to see him play. There's, like, what, 16 games left? Oh, yeah, I'm sure he's going to play. Yeah, it's just a matter of, of when and how often. He'll probably, once once they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, you'll probably see him play a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's just, a matter, it's just a matter of playing the waiting game. Well, anyway, so to me, that's the big wild card because you, you're, you're thinking, you know, Kane and Taze are still good. Uh, Taze maybe slightly off here, but he's been looking good lately. You know, Dabrinkit's got to have a better year than he had this year. He hasn't scored many goals. Now you got Kubelik. Well, uh, I thought Saz was coming around. Yeah, Saz really coming around. Hopefully, I'm hoping he doesn't get traded. I think he's got one year left on his deal. Yeah, Saz's been doing pretty good. So, I mean, you got some decent players, but kind of like we've said in the past, though, you got about, you probably got at least seven or eight guys or more where. Their main qualification for being on the team is that they have a pulse. Yeah, they're all they're all young kids. Yeah, I know they've had um uh I know you were mentioning uh, Debrinkid and 
and uh, Kubelik, you've got a lot of talent there, and obviously you've got some of the pieces already in place that you have to count on with uh, Taze or Kane, um, Keith, and now they're obviously making some investment to try and pull in on um, on the goalies now. Um, you you kind of want to say, I mean, this year, obviously this year might once again not be the year, but at least it's nice to see some some good pieces kind of fall into place. Yeah, I just want to see at the end of the year what changes are made. I, I think there's got to be quite a few. Like I say, you got to sort out the goalies. you got to sort out the defense. Now, Seabrook, I know he's no longer a superstar anymore, but uh, he's missed almost the whole year. Uh, presumably he'd be back. Keith would be you know, back. No, we lost a lot of good guys. Yeah, we, Shaw, lost, we lost Sharp. Shaw, well, Sharp retired, but you know, he's been gone we a couple of years. We lost Hosa. These uh, are all good players. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so those guys, you're right, have retired, and that's really hurt the Hawks big time. But, I mean, even in terms of people that are actually on the team, you know, Seabrook's been out most of the year, and Andrew Shaw as well, been out most of the year, concussion, I guess. I don't know when he's ever going to, he probably won't be back this year, it looks like. But uh, I just think that, you know, depending on the decisions that they make, uh, could really affect them making the playoffs next year. I mean, I still think they have the talent to make it. I, I just wonder what they're going to do with these coaches because – Every year for the last half dozen years or more, we go through the, the annual firing of the assistant coach. You know, they, they vary. At first it's the guy on the head coach's left, and next year it's the guy yeah, on his right. You're, you're right, Joe. I don't know how they can fire Coach Q. He won three Stanley Cups, and you fire the guy? That don't make sense. <laughs> I agree. I, I think they, they should have, at minimum, they should have let him finish out the year. I think they fired him like a month into the year. Uh last year and it, I think it was a big mistake uh, guy second on the all-time list of wins for coaches you, know, you, you got to give him a little a, credit you think it was a big mistake to get rid of the mar- what's that the margarine the defensive guy the hawk's head oh you mean Jalmerson Domerson yeah Domerson yeah he doesn't go as good as a bread spread as margarine but uh <laughs> he was a good player though a lot of he was very good at blocking shots <laughs> yeah, I did like Jalmerson. He was one of my one of my guys. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he was good at blocking shots. Yeah. I think the thing is, uh, without beating a dead horse, is you got to realize some of these trades are made because of these guys' contracts. So when they traded Jalmerson, he didn't have much time left on his contract, and they're worried that he's going to want stupendous money for a new deal. Uh, same thing with Panarin. Uh, the, the really, I mean, they like Sad. Don't get me wrong. And if, if Sad was playing to his potential, I think he'd be as good or all-around player better than Panarin. But the reason they got rid of Panarin is because at the time he only had two years left on his contract, and Sad had four years left. So they were concerned that Panarin would want big money, which which he got. He's his contract's over eleven million a year now. So they were afraid they wouldn't be able to hang on to some of these guys. So that's why they went with Connor Murphy instead of Jalmerson. It really has to do a lot with contracts uh, and how long they are. Got to keep staying under that salary cap. But I'm just tired of seeing this parade, uh, this annual parade of firing the assistant coach every year. You know, first it's always the one year is the guy who's in charge of the power play. The next year is the guy in charge of the penalty kill. You know, are they going to have some real change? It could be the head coach, but what about the GM? Uh, I know this guy, Bowman, who's got a golden name. His father is a hockey legend. But at some point, maybe give him one more year, but at some point, uh, this is a third year in a row, they haven't made the playoffs. you got to make a decision. And 
you know, what you're going to do with the leadership. I maybe even higher up on the chain. I, I know some of these guys that are up there, like uh, McDonough, for example, the president. Uh, some of these guys have bought themselves some time because they won the three Stanley Cups. But the uh, last three years have been disastrous, I think. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's it's really come to a point where you don't really know what to expect with them. Where like we were talking, <clears throat> I mean, that first time we were talking about them, they were actually on kind of a roll, you know. And then it seemed like the minute the minute anything kind of picks up around here, you you start losing them again. Well, you know what it was, Jay? It was the the minute that we all predicted that they were going to make the playoffs, then they just <laughs> collapsed. The minute I started actually watching the Hawks again. Um, really, the minute we said that they yeah. were on a roll, and I really thought they were only and like then, two, then, three then, points then they out. They lost like five of the next yeah, they six lost, games. Yeah, five of the six they lost, and that was the end. Then they started making white flag trades. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, on a, I guess on a, on a lighter note here, do you guys have anything else specific about the Hawks at this point before we move topics? Yeah, I, I just want to close. I just wanted to say uh, that I, I'm not. Is down maybe as I sound on the Hawks. I think, like I said, a lot of good talent still there, especially with this Kubali coming up and Saad coming up. But I, they've got to make some tough decisions with, between the, between the coaching and the GM, but especially the goaltending situation um, and adding a couple players. They, they can't let the salary cap stand in their way, I guess is where I'm coming from. They've yeah. got to be a little creative, do a little better scouting, whatever. But they... They're really on the cusp. They should make the playoffs. I can see it. I can win the cup, but they should make the playoffs. There's no excuse to not make the playoffs when so many teams in, in the NHL make the playoffs. With well, the I, talent just, they I have. just think it's not easy to get a new coach because a new coach has a certain way of playing compared to the other one. That's what makes it hard, too. Yeah. Yeah, getting used to the coaching and getting used to being the coach. They're used, is, to, they're used to Coach Q, yeah. so they bring a new guy in. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because a lot of the people, especially you know, veteran support there, that you know, they've been around through the the Q years. Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, getting getting used to any of that, you know, there's gonna be some growing pains and stuff. It's just so weird to see it bounce so weirdly, where they 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 end up becoming a team where you're winning three of four and just going on a a rampage, and then they're still the team that can give up five goals in the third period. <laughs> yeah, you know. To a team that wasn't even losing by five goals, <laughs> you let them be- beat you and then beat you to the ground, all in the same time. But yeah, I mean, there's they never they're never truly out. I mean, the reality is they they always have some pieces in place. It's just about making them speak to each other again and understanding each other. But well, I just think it's uh, I I think it's a poorly coached team. I guess that's the way I would leave it. Is uh, <laughs> Which I'd feel better about if it I, if they I, hadn't just changed them. <laughs> no, I just I like I say they probably shouldn't have got rid of Quenville. And uh I just look at the tip off is is that when you have a team that is winning almost every game, it was one nothing, two nothing, two to one, they're winning almost every game going into the third period and then they lose. You know, I don't think it's the players necessarily just, I mean, ultimately the players decide, but I don't think it's so much that they're blowing it and that they stink is that it's just poorly coached. They're not, they're not, for example, staying aggressive in that last period, trying to tack on uh, maybe the, the kind of defense they're playing. I think the penalty kill is, is been actually surprisingly the penalty kill, which I don't like. I think it's poorly coached, but the 
penalty kill actually statistically has done pretty well until recently, until the last yeah. two, three weeks. But most of the year it actually been pretty good. But I, I, I still don't like it. I think it's poorly coached. I don't like that little tiny little square box that they put in front of the goalie. I think they should need to spread out and go after people uh, like most other teams do it. You know, the power play has been bad. You rarely score. And uh, and I, I will just say one other thing, and that is the Hawks, when I say poor coaching, they've got to set it up so that they like other teams. They score on more of those, like, shots from the blue line, just inside the blue line where they get tipped either by, you yeah. know, one of our guys or a defenseman. I mean, I see other teams score a zillion goals against this. Probably 50% of the goals in the NHL are scored that way. Somebody does a flip shot from inside the blue line and deflects off, you know, one or two guys and goes past the goalie. Well, the Hawks almost never get that kind of a goal. Uh, and they rarely have guys around the goal mouth, you know, for rebounds. I'm so surprised when they do. and Because the Hawks are always trying for one type of goal, the tic-tac-toe goal. You know, they, they, you know, pass here, pass here, and pass there, and then the guy's got an open net. And that just, you know, that just doesn't happen all the time. you got to get these tipping goals, and they need to get better at getting the guy passing from behind the net to the front, you know, to a guy in the slot in the front. Yeah. You see, all these other teams are just are bombing us doing that, and you know we just we rarely do it. And that's all coaching. Yeah, and, and and that's why I say when I say they're poorly coached, and they had some of these issues with Quinville too. Don't get me wrong, but I, I feel on a positive note that some of the, a lot of these things can be fixed. I think they have sufficient talent, you know, at least get to the playoffs. All right. Well, on that on that note, I think we'll uh, also staying within your guys' wheelhouse. I'm also talking about coaching with a new coach coming in. But um, we've got the Cubs around here. Spring training, all mic'd up. Um, I know you had some stuff. I know you you had a let's play GM, or I guess let's play manager role for you. You got a lineup for us, don't you, Dan? I have a lineup card. If I was the there manager, I would tell you what my starting lineup would be. Would you like to hear it? Please. Yes. <laughs> Just funny. <clears throat> well, my starting lineup would be Brian starting first, Rizzo batting second, and the big man Baez third. Schrober be next. Oh, of course, you have to have Contreras in there. He'd be the next batter. Hayward... Hap and Amaro Jr. That would be my lineup, and I think we'd make the championship. <laughs> well, that's a good lineup. I like your lineup. Uh, it's well thought out. Yeah. So your on your scenario, you're thinking that Ian Hap is going to be the primary second baseman then this year. Yeah, I think Hap would be good. I know last year he struck out a lot. Yeah, I tell you, I'm really hoping that Hap uh, blossoms. I'm really with you on that. Uh, it was a couple of years ago. I think he hit like 21 home runs or so, 21, 22. Did strike out a lot then too. But I, I just have this fear that he's going to strike out a lot. I mean, it sounds obvious, but I mean, I just I look at his mechanics, and he's just a guy that's got a huge hole in his swing and easily fooled by pitches. So I, I'm hoping he becomes a star. I think he has the physical tools. But <laughs> you're basically I don't know. Just, you're describing the consistent cub hitter. The, con, the consistent <laughs> yeah. cub pickup is someone who gets fooled very easily by pitches. <laughs> well if Hap doesn't do very good, maybe they'll put a Morrill Junior in there more. 
Well, Amora Jr. is an outfielder. He's, I don't think he's going to play the infield. Oh, well. But I, I like your lineup. Hopefully, uh, the only thing who's questionable, I think, is Hap. I think everybody else is pretty solid. Oh, the, the, the lineup that I just told you before, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> if you do say so yourself, yeah, huh? And humble. That lineup can't miss. <laughs> well, I know that they're um, uh, uh, my, one of my favorite things was uh, watching them actually be mic'd up um for one of their spring training events oh, yeah. and um and i was getting a real kick i don't remember if it was actually bryant or if it was rizzo doing it but i know bryant was up to bat and uh the ball or they're, they're getting ready to pitch the guy's you know waiting for a sign and as he's waiting for the sign and about to wind up all you hear is somebody going and the thing and you just see Bryant with this giant smile on his face like waiting for the pitch and I couldn't tell if like Rizzo was just like messing with him or whatever but that was, was particularly that was amusing that was that was so funny to see these guys talking while they're playing their positions yeah just, I'm glad uh, they didn't get rid of Bryant I think Bryant's really a good player well I think it's definitely it's one of those things where I don't know if not getting rid of him was purely by choice or by the inability to do it in a proper fashion. I don't know if they just couldn't move him for the right amount or they couldn't, you know. I think they couldn't They couldn't get back and trade what they wanted, you know. Yeah. They probably want a lot for Bryant, and, and to be honest, probably nobody wants to give up too much for Bryant because <laughs> – not because he's not any good. He is very good, but he's got a big price tag. You yeah. Know? Or he will, you know, coming the next year. I think year it would help if we had a relief, another relief from our pitcher. Hmm. I think that's what would be hurting. Yeah. Now uh, Morrow is hurt again. Well, I saw that they, uh, I saw they were talking about, uh, there was a post on Facebook and it was, uh, uh, it's 2020 and there's people are still trying to run on Contreras. In the year 2020, they're still still trying to steal bases on him. <laughs> it was it was tagged, of course, to him throwing some dude out and who was trying to steal second. Yeah, and that guy's got a powerful arm. Yeah, he's he's dynamite. Yeah, I'm looking over the roster, for example, you know, to your point, Dad, about the bullpen. And now, one good news is is that uh, the couple of guys did well last year, and and hopefully they do well again. Rowan Wick really came to the forefront. Last year, uh, he really became that last couple of months of the year. He was like the main bullpen guy, frankly, uh, middle relief. Um, you do have your uh, closer back. Now he got bombed last year, but hopefully, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hopefully, be better this year. Well, they got rid of that sidearm pitcher. Yeah, he's on the White Sox now. Oh, he is. Yeah. I thought he'd done okay. Yeah, he did well. He wasn't a superstar, but he did okay. Um, I think that's where they'd be hurting. Is they need relief pitching. Yeah, like I said, they got Craig Kimbrell to close your back. Now, if he performs the way even 80% of what he's capable of, uh, that would probably shore down that closer role. But he was just, unfortunately, last year, I've got to believe it's because he missed half the year. But uh, he was terrible last year. I mean, just getting bombed uh, unmercifully, astronomically. Yeah, right. I think it was over six, at least at one point. <laughs> Which for a closer is not good. 
But now they picked up some hard throwers. You know, I, here's the thing about the Cubs. I think the Cubs, where they made their mistake, and they've been paying for it, is uh, until recently. Now they brought on a few guys, but uh, until this year or the end of last year, the Cubs, unlike other teams, they don't have these big hard throwers. These guys throwing over 95 miles an hour. They've always had guys that are more the more the 90, 91, and rely on you know changing speeds and location and so forth. Now, if you're Hendricks, then that works great because he really knows what he's doing and he can do it properly with his location and ball movement, changing speeds. But you know, these other guys can't get, a, get away with 90, 91, 92. So all these other teams, they'll have all, every guy in the bullpen guys throwing 96, 97, every, <laughs> you know, every guy. But the Cubs bring in their bullpen guys, or other starters for that matter, and they're all throwing 90, 91. I'm like, so I think the Cubs have made a huge mistake and are behind the curve on bringing in these big arms. And now I see, I don't have the complete list, but now I see they have brought in some guys that are a little harder to throw, or at least like 95, 96 guys, including the closer, although he got bombed. But um, I watched a guy yesterday, uh, although he did give up a couple of runs, this, uh, what's it, Gerald Cotton. Uh, he's somewhat of a hard thrower, 95. Um, of course, Darvish, he's a 95 guy, 94, 95 guy. He's a starter. Jeremy Jeffress they brought in. He's a 95 guy or more. So now they're starting to bring in a few guys that can throw the ball. But if I were to kind of summarize everything that's wrong with the Cub pitching staff, I really think it's because and it's the management's fault. I think they've really gotten behind the curve and not brought in these these big arm guys where they can make a mistake and, and not necessarily pay for it all the time. I feel like that should probably be the name of a Cubs documentary. Should should be behind the curve. I mean, describing the management and usually their batters. They, they're behind the <laughs> <Wow>. curve. <laughs> uh, well, thing, no pun uh, intended. Ba-boom! i like to know is why can't the pitchers stay in a little bit longer than they do? Why did they take them out the sixth inning? Because they're, the, they're the Cubs. Years it's ago, like they have never done that. Well, well, it's like when they pulled when they pulled Hendricks in Game Seven of the World Series. Well, you, you can't you can't expect to pitch a full game in the Game Seven of the World Series. Yeah, yes, you can when you're doing really well. <laughs> but you know, Joe Madden really lucked out in that one that it ended up working oh, out boy. for him. But yeah, Joe Madden, you're right. Joe Madden left as you know World Series winning manager, but uh, he could have easily been the goat of the whole thing. And oh yeah. Because wow. he, I mean, I feel bad for the guy from the standpoint that he really wanted to win that World Series, obviously, and he was trying to make moves and that, but he just overmanaged, to your point. Uh, you know, Hendricks was cruising along, he had two outs in the fifth inning uh, of Game 7. They're winning 5-1. to one. Uh, He walks a guy who should have been struck out. The umpire blew a call. It, the guy should have been struck out, but he ends up walking him, and all of a sudden, he's out of the game. And I'm like, I was yelling at the TV, no, no. And of course, Lester came in, and all hell broke loose after that. Yeah, no, I mean, I was—I I remember sitting there, and they were—they were saying that well, you can't expect to—you can't expect to pitch a, a full game, you know, in the in Game Seven or whatever. And I'm like, you can if it's five to one, and you're still doing pretty well. You should pitch as long as you can. Well, he certainly should have gone more than four and two thirds innings. I mean, that was it. <laughs> you know, Hendricks. Here's the thing: you got to remember that year, Hendricks—he was the ERA champion. Of the league, he had the lowest ERA in the league. 
Yeah. Uh, he was having a sensational year, and he was winning five to one, cruising along, and you take him out. So, I mean, certainly could have gone, you know, six innings or seven innings. Uh, but that That's what I don't understand. So Why the, did I take the pitchers out so early? So that's the long answer to your question. Well, that, that game that game was over Miage because that game was yeah. like one game was the whole season. You know, whether you win or lose is your whole season on the line. So man, just over Miage. That's a bad example, actually. Yeah. But to your point, Dad, the reason why these guys are getting taken out is primarily pitch count. Uh, they get about 100 pitches. Yeah, some of these guys are getting 100-plus pitches after the fifth inning. Because uh, yeah. they're throwing walking guys, they're throwing a lot, get a lot of full counts, or even striking out a lot of batters. Pitch counts are usually the reason. Uh, in some cases, it's just a matter of a team. Some teams have really good bullpens. Not not the Cubs, but I mean, some teams have really good bullpens, <laughs> and they want to bring them in and shut down the other team. There's hmm. hardly any pitchers today that go to distance. Well, I mean, I, not, I don't not, understand. not well, not it unless you've got like, like that a, years ago. Well, not unless you've got like nearly a perfect game going. Well, but yeah, it's years just a lot of, they didn't take them out. It's, that a, soon. it's a lot of wear and tear to risk on somebody. Yeah, that's the thing is that I think the bottom line of your question is that you got guys are throwing a lot harder than they did years ago. They're more max effort guys, and they just you know they can't go as far. But the other thing too is you got a major investment in these guys. Uh, especially a starting pitcher, a starting pitcher who's a good pitcher now is making twenty plus million a year. They don't want to risk these guys getting injured. Whereas the time period, you know, back in the fifties or sixties or even the seventies, you're talking about a starting pitcher might make you know two hundred thousand a year or something, a hundred thousand a year. It just wasn't such a big deal. Not that they want him to get hurt, but it wasn't that big a deal if somebody got injured. But now it's like, like I say, you got there's there's pitchers that are making twenty five, thirty million a year. Some of them. And they don't want to risk with that financial commitment somebody getting injured, so they kind of coddle these guys. What do you think of our four starters that we have now? We got Darvis, Quintana. Quintana or Quintana. Yeah, you got Lester and Hendricks. Lester, Hendricks. Hendricks is really good. Hendricks, yeah. Hendricks, I think, is the ace of the staff. I think he's been the ace of the staff in my mind for several years now, probably since 2016. Although his one loss record is not that great, frankly. Well, I think our good. starting pitches are pretty uh, pretty decent. Well, you need, yeah, unfortunately, you need people to hit, too. And for most of Hendricks' career here, that hasn't been. Well, yeah, he's been kind of a tough luck pitcher record-wise. His ERA has been pretty good. But I, I think that uh, Hendricks is good, really good. The other three, I think, are just mediocre pitchers at this stage. You know, Lester obviously was, was good at one point, but I think he's he's near the end. Uh, Quintana's always been really just an average pitcher. Darvish, at one time, he was good, but I, I think he came on a little bit in the second half last year. But, you know, I think he's better than average, but, you know, he's not the kind of guy who's going to be your big uh, workhorse, you know, uh, ace of the staff guy anymore. He needs to be a number two or number three guy at this stage. So I, I would love to see. I saw the White Sox picked up Dallas Keuchel. Uh, was a really good pitcher, and I was shocked. You know, why didn't the Cubs try to get him, or you know, or at least somebody else? And now you got a, now you have a fifth position where we don't know who's going to be that pitcher. Presumably, you know, one of the new guys, but well, well, we don't know. Yeah. Well, any... let me let me ask this question yeah. now. I'm shifting gears, but still the Cubs. Uh, Dad, what do you think about the Cubs now going on their own TV channel, the Marquee Network? Oh, I don't know what's going to happen with that. That I don't know. 
I'm sure Comcast is going to take over. But then they're going to charge you to watch the, uh, the game. Yeah, that's the thing. It's Obviously, all about money all the time. Yeah, you're right. Especially when, when you're dealing with Comcast. Well, it's not Comcast. It's 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 the Cubs. <laughs> the Cubs are the one who are trying to rake in the extra money. That's why they started their own channel. It's going to hurt Comcast. It's gonna, but the Cubs are, are money-grabbing. I'm sure Com- Comcast is going to charge you to watch the games. They're paying for it. Well, nothing's going to hurt Comcast. Comcast has a monopoly around here. So if you want stuff, you're, you're going to have to go through them in most places in I, the Chicagoland area. Yeah, I, unfortunately, it's the trend because the Cubs copied basically what the Yankees and the Dodgers did. And I think it's important to remember is that there's, there. I think, I forget the exact number. It's over a million, I know. It might be way more than that. But there's a lot of Dodger fans who don't get the Dodger channel. They can't watch them. And who knows? We'll see what happens in the Chicago. But I, I realize, you know, the Cubs have a lot of fans, and they just won the—I say they just won. I sound like a White Sox fan now. They, but they won the World Series in 2016. But uh, this is an incredible money grab, and it could leave some fans not being able to watch the games on TV. Well, uh, a lot yeah. of stations don't have them yet. Well, the only thing i got to say about the Marquee Network is, uh, do, does the Marquee Network have uh, John Steed and— Generic anchor. <laughs> uh, that's a that's an inside joke, but you have to watch. You have to have seen Jay's Facebook post of our uh, our video we made at the Cubs convention to know. Yeah, no the the you know the the anchors that Marquee Network really needs. It's, it's the one. It's the one that the public deserves. You know. Oh, I I totally agree, and they're cheap too. <laughs> We're practically on a we'll pay you basis, probably. You know, right now we're in spring training, so it's not a big deal. In fact, a lot of the Cub games are on ESPN right now. But we get into a regular season, and like right now, Comcast does not have the marquee network. They're still negotiating for the rights, and they're not alone. I mean, there's other uh, services that don't have it around the country. Uh, but I think Comcast is one of the biggest, or Xfinity. If they don't get it... Uh, there's going to be a lot of unhappy people around, I think. Well, I'm an, I'm being one of the unhappy ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I haven't decided what to do yet. If they did uh, charge you for it to watch the game. So let's say. It's not the money. It's just the idea. Well, yeah. But let's let's say right now, you know, you're retired. And you got a lot of time in your hands, let's say. And they want to charge an extra 10 bucks a month, let's say. If you want to get the marquee network, because it's an add-on, would you would you pay it? I haven't decided yet. I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I said it's not it's not the money. It's just the idea. And uh, take that Chicago, take that the Cubs. But now, which I totally support. I mean, I I I like what you're saying. But I but now, say you're retired, you got a lot of time on your hands. You're going to sit there all summer and not watch any Cub games for 10 bucks a month? Well, I don't know. I may change my mind. <laughs> I haven't decided yet. Maybe there won't be any extra charge. I don't know. That's possible. Yeah. I, stranger things have occurred, I suppose. But. Just not what I would expect from Xfinity, really. No, the whole idea of the Cubs starting that network is for a cash grab. You know, expect, They figure they're going to make a lot more money with the Cubs channel than they did their, with their share and... You know, that uh, sports network they were I on I want to ask Jay, what would you do, Jay? Would you pay the extra money? 
No. <laughs> no, if you can't if you can't hear me on there, it's because I, you can probably hear my vigorous and uh, shaking my head back and forth on the radio. But no, I, I don't watch them now for free, so I definitely oh, wouldn't be paying extra. I wouldn't oh. pay extra money. I don't even watch. Them I know for free. Joe would pay. <laughs> well, I believe in to your point. I I like the idea of standing your ground and that you're doing something for a principle. But if it's like five bucks or ten bucks a month, it's just it's hard for me to believe for that price that I'm just not going to watch them all summer. I know, I know. It's not. It's not just. It's the the idea of the thing, you know. Yeah, they yeah, overdo well, it. Well, it does kind of hit you when you have a lot of those teams where the, watching them has been so public for such a long time, and uh, you know, just watching it get privatized just kind of sucks. I mean, obviously, like. Um, I don't know. I start to think if if you related it to football, you know, and if the Bears, they didn't play on Fox anymore. They played on a completely different channel. I mean, obviously still like Monday or Thursday nights, typically you need some kind of subscription to something because you need ESPN or yeah. it goes for Prime members or something on Thursdays or the NFL Network. But, but you know, like you're used to getting your Sunday games, you know, nice, easy, cheap, you know, on all your major networks, but I mean, it'd be a shame and everything. I'm, I'm hoping that no one ever tries to monetize that too heavily, but I have to believe there's enough, there'd be enough fervor in America that, you know, you're never going to end up with football not being on Fox and CBS on Sunday or whatever. It's probably, that, one, that one's probably a little more of a public outcry probably but i i think about that and that just sounds ridiculous to me if they had to have a chicago bears channel i'd be like (laughs) you know i'd be like you know you guys aren't good enough to have your own channel i think you're gonna luck out because i don't that'll never happen in football the reason is is that football is unique among all the sports is that the overwhelming majority of the money coming into the teams is from tv revenue as opposed to and if nobody was watching, if nobody the was watching them on these private networks, they wouldn't get anything. Well, that's the thing is, there's just not enough. Just the numbers just don't add up. There's not enough people that can watch them on private networks for each team, for example, compared to the massive audiences a national uh, broadcast team could bring, like a CBS or Fox yeah. or whatever. So, it, fortunately, to your point, it's never it's never going to happen. You'll you'll always be able to see them on those channels. Yeah. All right. Anyone else got any? Any final touches on the Cubs before we move forward? So it's very early, but uh, Dad, what do you think the Cubs are going to do? Are they going to win their division, or uh, how far are they going to go? I really think the Cubs are going to. I think they're going to win their division. I so, think they'll be in the playoffs. I'm not sure if they'll win, but I think they got a good enough team to be in the playoffs. They got good players. If they would play to their potential, I think we'll be in the playoffs. Yeah, as they obviously they missed them last year, and uh, but you think it's more just the players playing up to their potential? You think the roster's there? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> I re- I'm really not sure. Yeah. No, I mean clearly, I mean for most teams in Chicago, it tends to be, uh, being able to play to your potential. You know, you certainly get enough names in, and you spend enough money on people, but it. You know, just whether or not they can actually play to the right level. You look at each player on the Cubs, and every one of them are really good. They're good players. Yeah, it's just about a how well they can A couple of them work. had a bad year last year. 
mean, in baseball, it's less how you play together, I guess, you know, than say how you hit on your yeah. own or how well your pitching staff is. But it's a little more individual than most of the sports around here. But it it really is one of those things where they just, you know, I don't know. Some people definitely have to step up and as long as they make the right moves, you know, in theory, like they have the name power there. Realistically, they should be able to hold it oh, down. They but. got a good team. I think uh, if Hayward comes along this year, he would really help. He well, done. He done pretty good the second along. half. I thought that would really help. Yeah. And Hap, like Joel said, he strikes out a lot. That's a that's a Cub Cub. He staple. would really help if he knocked, you know, not strike out so much. <laughs> well, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. I don't know, but I think they'll make the playoffs. Yeah, well, I think there's a chance. I I still put it less less than fifty percent. I do think they can make it, but. With the Cardinals and the Brewers, and I'll tell you, watch out for the Cincinnati Reds. They've improved dramatically this offseason. Sounds yeah. nutty, but uh, with those three really tough teams in our division, I, I think it's going to be tough to make the playoffs. I think they can do it, but I think it's going to be awfully difficult. I still give them less, less than 50% chance in my mind uh, of making just because these other teams have gotten so much better, and the Cubs really haven't. I mean, I can't honestly say that the Cub lineup is better than it was in 2016 or 2017, for that matter. I mean, they probably gotten a little worse. But you're right, though. It would make a huge, enormous difference if Hap and Hayward and Almora, if those guys played to their potential, it would make a huge, enormous difference, especially to, this, to the offense. Almora is a, ter- oh, my God, tremendous fielder. He's really good in the field. It's just batting's kind of on the low side. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not... Yeah, I know people want to, you know, chase me and throw stones at me for saying this sometimes, but I don't think Elmora is, is a spectacular fielder as some of you guys think. I think he's good. He's okay. But, I mean, I keep hearing people talk about these, oh, he's one of the best center fielders in the game or, you know, he's sensational or whatever. And I I feel like he's, he's okay. You know, he's good. But I, I don't <laughs> think he's that terrific. I, I see a lot of balls. I see a lot of balls he doesn't get to. Because he's not a real fast guy, and I see a lot of balls he misjudges that go over his head, uh, where you know a really sensational outfielder would would attract it down. So I, I don't see a problem. He's not, you know, he's good, but I I don't think he's nearly as, as great as, as some of you guys think he is. But he's got a hit, and he he just has not. Yeah, done his so. hitting his hitting's not up there. That's the problem. Yeah. One final thought on the TV thing that came to mind. I I wanted, was going to bring it up is. Uh, Obviously, when you're on Facebook, a lot of people start posting a bunch of stuff uh, about sports and, and other things in general. And it seems like a lot of people follow the old maxim when they're going to post something on Facebook. They follow the old maxim of ready, fire, aim. Ready? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, somebody had posted on there one time. That's funny. Somebody posted on there one time. I was obviously a White Sox fan, somebody I knew back from high school days. <laughs> he puts on there, oh, I see the Cubs are going to go. This is several months ago. He says, oh, I see the Cubs are going to go to another network. And, oh, this is just the big, they're so greedy. And this is a big money grab. And they should be ashamed of themselves. And, you know, they should be on free TV, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then I sat there and I thought, well, you certainly didn't look at your history book very good. The first team to do that was the White Sox. <laughs> Back around 82, 83, the White Sox left free TV and tried to start up their own, which back then was in its infancy. They started their own cable station, Sports Vision. 
which they were going to be the head of. And although it was a failure, I mean, because they, they stunk. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't say that. They made the playoffs in, in 83, but most of the years in the 80s, they stunk. Yeah. Uh, but they they started the whole thing. They were the first team to, to start their own network, Sports Vision, and uh, lasted a few years. So I I happily replied to that guy on Facebook that he should know his history a little better. But, <laughs> but I always have to laugh at some of these postings on there. People just shoot off their mouth and stuff without, like, knowing history or checking any facts or whatever. And, and uh, yeah. But I saw that particular comment in knowing about the old White Sox history, and this was coming from a Sox fan. I, I, I had to get a little bit of a, a chuckle on that one. I wanted to ask you, you know, uh, they, the Cubs had a starter. He wasn't doing good, so they made a relief pitcher out of him. You remember his name? Are you are you talking about like within the last year or two? Last year he was on the Cubs, yeah. Oh, I know. You're talking about, uh, hold on one second. He's supposed to have been a starter, and he didn't do so good starting, so they made a relief pitcher out of him. Yeah, yeah, just give me one moment here. Well, maybe if he comes back and he's good, he can really help. I forgot his name. Yeah, it's coming. Hold on. Oh, yeah, Tyler Chatwood. That's it. Yeah, Chatwood. Yeah. See, I had to look him up. He's already gone from my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if Chatwood, if he improves, that would really help. Well, this is the last year of his contract. He had signed a three-year deal for relatively big bucks. I think he's getting like I know, $13 million a year. I know, he's making big money. And I, I tell you, I agree with you 100%, Dick. You know, he is actually the only guy on the staff who would be a really hard thrower. He throws 96, 97 miles an hour. Oh, he up, does? Up to 98 even. Oh. But he just walked a lot of guys, at least his first year. Yeah. Actually, I thought he was a little better last year. He had some effective outings last year. No, oh, not... he, he done better the second half last year. But the key was he wasn't walking so many guys. Right, but, yeah. And the, and the reason they signed him is he had great stuff. He didn't, have, he didn't have good control, no. Yeah, and I, I think the his first year on the Cubs two years ago, I think he led the league in walks, which was miraculous because I think they pulled him from the starting lineup after three months. You know, they pulled him as a starter. Well, he still made... led the league in walks. They made a relief pitcher out of him. He done he done okay. Doesn't relief sound like him. he's providing much relief to the. Well, he was lineup. better last year because, like to Dad's point, he had better control. So, yeah. if he can harness, hey, if he, you're right, Dad, if he can harness his control, I support him 100 percent for the fifth starter role. I don't know if he's going to get it because they got some young guys. Yeah, competing, I think they're going to make they're going to see if uh, make a starter out of him. I think they're going to try and see what happens. I, I'd love to see it if he can. If he can, once again, we say this a lot, but if he can play to his potential, I think it'd be wonderful. It'd be great. Yeah. All right. So I know one of the big things that I'm in love with is the transactionness of of this period of time in the NFL season. So right now we're talking about a particularly lucrative market of a free agent talent, just people who are all coming to the free agent market. Um, a lot of disruptions in uh, team planning coming up here. Um, you've got a bunch of crazy stuff surrounding Brady. You've got a dozen quarterbacks with either uncertainty or, uh, of their future of where they're going to be, or literally having their contract expire. Um, I had a couple of names here and I wanted to see, 
uh, where where you guys thought they were going to land. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'll start with something that I think is probably easy, but Tannehill. So Ryan Tannehill um, is up on the free agency block, and he's currently the quarterback for the Titans, uh, who just got to the AFC championship. And now they're talking about whether or not they're going to uh, tag him or they're going to try and give him give him a deal so they can tag Henry or um but but obviously the the other case is you just go with somebody else which seems silly at this point in time but he's probably an easy one I mean my my I want to hear what you guys think but I wanted this to kind of be a little more rapid fire this is a do you think they're going to leave or are they going to stay I I think I think it would stay and obviously I don't know their exact salary cap situation but you know like you say they you just fit in really well and I think that they can sign him for which will seem like a lot of money, but compared to what some of these other quarterbacks are making, probably wouldn't be that much. I, you know, the real the reality is is that if you're a starting quarterback anywhere, you're going to make what twenty five plus million, something like that. So you got to pay him a lot of money no matter what. So if they think they're going to try to, you know, lowball him, it's not going to happen. Somebody will pay him, and I think they I think they do need to keep him because if they try to get anybody else, they're going to pay that kind of money anyway, yeah. unless the guy sinks. And I. As far as Henry, I didn't think they have to sign him or tag him. I, if Henry goes, it's not like you can just draft another Henry. You know? <laughs> they don't make them anymore. Yeah. You no, know, Jay, you mentioned Brady. Yeah. I think uh, see, he's probably going to want a lot of money. Of course, he's getting up in years, too. He's 40 years old. Yeah, I mean, the next yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess, that's the next thing, because I, oh. I assume Ryan Tannehill is going to be a, a foregone conclusion. I think the cap space isn't a problem. It's really just, are they going to be weird about it? Um, and the market for Ryan Tannehill is, is there. I mean, the reality is I remember uh, at least talking to one of my friends and, and really kind of going over the fact that most of the quarterbacks that could go to the Bears – it's going to be expensive and it's going to be marginal improvements. The reality is the only people that he felt comfortable picking up were if Ryan Tannehill fell through or if Prescott fell through, that those might be the only two people that you'd be willing to, to throw the money at that are available. But you were just mentioning Brady. Um, Brady has really been kind of the float of the free agents market here because even though he's 42 years old, he's going to, He's trying to show people that there's still some years left in the tank, and um, and he's gotten offers from the Raiders. The, the Raiders have made it very public that they're trying to go out and get him for two years for for sixty million bucks. <laughs> you know, they want to pay him thirty million, million a year uh, for two years. So yeah, they want to pay him thirty million a year. Uh, oh, that's the, ridiculous. The Chargers have 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 had their interests in it. The Colts. Uh, <laughs> I just saw an I just saw an an article about the 49ers and him having mutual interest. Um, I don't yeah I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, Brady actually is 43 now I guess. But uh, to your point, you know, we talked about this several weeks ago, and you were asking me what I thought was a good landing point for him, and the Raiders was my top choice if you recall. Yeah. That that seems to be their their modus operandi as far as picking up uh, players that other teams don't sign. Yeah, I still think. Their number one. I I thought for sure that he would stay with the Patriots. I, I still I'm not convinced that this whole thing is not still a negotiating ploy. You know, Brady saying he's yeah. probably not going to go back. I gosh, at 43, you go somewhere, you learn a whole new offense, all new teammates, everything new. And well, and the people they were talking about. I mean, these systems he's going to, they don't have anything in place. I mean, the Raiders don't have anything. 
uh, lockdown that he can just fit into. Uh, the Chargers are, you know, kind of spread across, kind of thin. Um, San Francisco is a good landing spot only because, honestly, I think the rest of the pieces are there. You have a running game, you have receivers, you have a tight end, you have defensive yeah, but skills. I, or even they were saying Tennessee even wasn't a terrible one because yeah. he's got the running game and he's got a, he's got a really great upcoming tight end. Wide receiver core is pretty is pretty decent. Well, no, I agree with you there. If um, if, Tan, if if Tannehill leaves, then I could see you know, maybe Brady going there. And Vrabel and Vrabel's coaching over there, so him and yeah, him they, and Brady have a little buddies, bit of a, rela- you know, from a relationship. Vrabel played on the Patriots, absolutely. The Forty ers it just seems kind of hard to believe because it's a good fit. You got but a quarter, but you got yeah. a quarterback who's what late twenties maybe, and you're going to bring in a forty three year old guy to replace him. I don't know. I don't it, know. It's it's. I think at that point. I think the problem is a lot of people wouldn't really blame you for it just because Garoppolo hasn't had the Hall of Fame-like performance that you, you might get kind of enticed by a Brady coming in for. But but it does seem, even though it's a good fit, it's it's a good fit because technically they they probably don't need the quarterback to be all that good. And technically I think Brady could hold him. But they have you know, a quarterback. But, but they have one who's younger. They have a quarterback, Jimmy G, who could be pretty good. And I, yeah. I know his perf- you know, people are. I think people are way overreacting. I know he wasn't very good in the Super Bowl, particularly the fourth quarter, Jimmy G. But I mean, my goodness, this guy's lifetime one loss record is astronomical, and he's still young and he can really get a lot better uh, in terms of you know, he hasn't played that many NFL games, twenty something games, I think. Uh, Joe, what what did uh, Brady win? How many Super Bowls did Brady win? He's got six. Yeah, he won, won six. six. He lost three. Oh. Well, the names they felt uncertain about, um, the you know, people who are either free agent or uncertain of nature is, I mean, Brady Tannehill, like we were talking about, Derek Carr's future in Oakland's um, up in the air a little. Uh, Stafford, the Lions have actually been seeming to sort of shop him out. Uh, most likely... Um, I, I they're probably just trying to go a different direction with things at this point. But I mean, I and you can probably get a good trade value for Stafford to be honest, because he's a great quarterback. It, it was certainly there, there things are not really to to put on him. Uh, Dalton's out there. Flacco, uh, Haskins is a uh, future is kind of waver wavery in the Redskins, and then you've got uh, Cam Newton, Rivers, uh, Bridgewater, Winston. I know those guys are all either free, you know, free agent or some of their futures are a little murky. And then you've got well, with Haskins, Haskins' problem is that Alex Smith is coming back this year, and Haskins wasn't very good last year. That's his other problem. But Smith, Smith, um, someone had brought up the point that uh, Smith going to Chicago was was something kind of cool. And and I like the <laughs> hey, now the problem is I like the idea. I don't care about the injury because the reality is things are different than they used to be. I give him credit. Sometimes those people come back and nothing happens to him after that. But the problem that they had when they were saying, you know, the article saying this is why this would not happen is that in his contract, if he were to be traded or he go, if he went to another team, it would leave this year. It would leave, I believe like $20 million in dead cap space. Or something like that if he left. Like some terribly awful detrimental effect to their cap. So obviously there's no way they would ever do it. You know. Um, but that was one of those one thing that was one of those things they were talking about. So like um 
obviously uh, with Cam Newton, there, you know, how, how do you feel about Cam Newton in a Bears uniform? Because I never know how I feel about that. Because I think the thing that makes him, the thing that would make him available for the Bears is exactly the reason I don't want him. What's that? Well, whatever, whatever is making him not good enough for the Panthers to hang on to him, no longer makes him better than Trubisky, in my opinion. I think, yeah, the thing we don't know about Cam Newton is what the injury history. You know, I mean, obviously he's, I think he had some surgeries now and so forth, but we don't really know all that, all that wear and tear that's been taken from all that running he did with Carolina. You know, is he going to be just kind of a shell of his former self? We just don't know. Uh, obviously, he was an extremely dynamic player early on in his career, but the last couple of years, he's just, you know, the injuries just really been taking their toll. And, and you know, it might be okay, but I I don't like it. Yeah. I think there's just too much unknown. They need to get a, you know, somebody who's a young but more, more in his prime, I think, type quarterback. And I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, yeah. they... they you Bears guys probably you guys probably don't agree with me. I think uh, Jabinski, I think he's a pretty decent quarterback. It's not all his fault. Well, I we think said the offensive line has a lot to do with it. I think he's fine, and you can't say he's a you can't really say he's a bad quarterback. I mean, the reality is we're only like we're only two seasons removed from them entering the playoffs with an extremely strong showing. But it's just you worry when you see last year, and you start to wonder, you know, if you get another year like that. There might be you might be. It's easier to get rid of him than it is to be switching well, yeah, around just, coaches I mean, all the be, time. It's not. It's not all his fault. Well, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Well, we well we agreed with you last time. We talked about Trubisky last uh, session with you, and we agree it's not all his fault. But once again, oh. I, I think the summary is that Trubisky is kind of like Albert Almora Jr. He, he's okay. You know, he doesn't stink. He's he's, fine, he's okay. But we were saying that the main complaint we have with Trubisky is. We picked him and we passed up on Mahomes oh, and Watson. Yeah, right, yeah. That was the complaint. It's not that he's terrible, but yeah, he's got okay. one year left on his deal. And we said they got Bears. They have to evaluate whether he's going to be just an okay quarterback or is he going to be the kind of you know super stud that's going to lead us to the promised land. Yeah, I, I don't think, think that's going right. to happen. Yeah. All right. So I want to play. Uh, I know you were sort of playing. Uh, let's be manager mode with. Uh, the Cubs trying to set out your lap. I want to. I want to. I want to run a scenario by you. It's from the uh, the Goat House on YouTube, and it was a guy who plays every team and and kind of goes GM mode with that team. What he would do. That's who you're going to cut. Who you resign. Who you try and go after in free agency, and what your draft strategy is from there. And he does that with like every team. So, of course, he did the Bears. So, the Bears right now, I believe, have cap space around $12 million. It's about $12 million. So, the plan starts, of course, I believe they've already cut Prince, correct? Mukamara is already gone. I believe that's correct. Uh, Gabriel, I believe, is also cut. Yep. Yep. Um, so, the plan also calls for releasing Floyd. For cutting Floyd because Floyd right now has a thirteen point two million dollar it's gonna be a hit coming up. So you can save that money by cutting him. Um and then they were talking about Shaheen getting rid of him because the next part of the plan shifts into picking up tight ends. 
you know, better tight ends. But obviously Shaheen's got like one point something million dollars tied in. But between the four of them, you get about twenty seven million dollars back. All right. To your cap space. So now you're around, you're a little over forty now. Uh they want you to resign oh, I'm never gonna get this name right. Kwiatkowski, linebacker. Kwiatkowski, yeah. Uh Nick Williams and Kevin Pierre Lewis. I'm assuming at this point you've either cut people, these are the three you re-sign, and anyone else who's on the chopping block to get released pretty much gets let go into free agency if they're not. <clears throat> whoever's left at this point. So now now we're at, we've re-signed these guys. It's moderate, you know, moderate fee. All three of those guys are going to be moderate signings. So then they talk about with your $40 million, um, this is where the simulation goes after a quarterback now. <laughs> so now you go after Jameis Winston with that money, with some money. And then you also, you, you help out your offensive guard role. They have Mike, uh, Mike uh, Eopa, Eopati, I think his name is. He's a Seattle guard. And they're trying to true up the guard position because I think right guard is supposed to be their weaker spot right now. Um and then actually going after uh, Rashad uh, Breland on the Chiefs. Trying to get more defensive help because he's a cornerback. Okay. Um, and then they say if obviously if you – they're like, do I think you're going to get Jameis Winston? You know, who knows, blah, blah, blah. But if you don't spend that money, you know, we're assuming it's, what, upper 20s? Some kind of crazy figure of millions of dollars to try and get – a quarterback, you know, they're they're assuming that then if you don't spend it on a quarterback and you're going to ride with Trubisky, you either buy cheaper quarterback play or you, uh, or you can spend it. Actually, the big thing was getting another edge rusher to counter with Mac because he needs because now you've gotten rid of Floyd and everything. So your hope is it to pick up better rushing. Yeah, well, you hit upon a really good point on the defense is that they need to get some other uh, rushing help because. If you notice last year, and Dad, you probably noticed this a lot, Khalil Mack was pretty quiet last year. Didn't yeah. didn't seem to do a whole lot, and I think it's because there weren't really a lot of other threats. You know, they could just focus on him. He seemed to be double teamed almost every play. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. I agree. You're not in the mic. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I agree <laughs> with you. Well, so so it's interesting because they were saying, well, the quarter, well, they want a safety position player. Um, but you know, now we haven't picked one up in free agency. So they're hoping to get, um, they have an edge rusher, a tight end, a tackle, a safety, a cornerback, a quarterback, and a running back as your picks for that. And they've got, um, what I thought was very interesting was of course, they're like, well, the, the depth chart here, they have an edge rusher as your first pick in the second round. And then they have a tight end coming after that. And they're hoping you can get the top tight end, which is uh, uh, Cole Komet. I think he's from Notre Dame, I want to say. I disagree with this, though, because Randy Moss's son is also in the draft. Um, It's not going to happen. It's not coming to me. Thaddeus. Thaddeus Moss is a tight end in in the draft. He's for LSU. Um. And uh, he's he's rated number two, but I, I watched highlight videos of both of them, and I, and I gotta say I'm not as I wasn't as taken by Cole, especially because they sit there and they say Cole's the 
the max package because he can do everything. But then when you look at it, I mean, the Bears' real skill is getting receiving tight ends. And Thaddeus is a receiving tight end. And he seems like he's got a lot of the skills kind of carried over from his dad, which it's hard to put money value on that. But tight end is clearly a spot they they need to clean up a little bit because they like to play with tight ends a lot. It's just um, they don't have anybody on the roster right now who's really leading that, especially with Trey being out. Well, yeah, I don't know what Trey Burton's situation is, but it's pretty obvious now that, He's going to struggle to play a whole season. Injuries have done him in, and he really wasn't posting that big of numbers when he was healthy, frankly. But he just is injured all the time. I, I will. I totally agree with you. There's a lot of opportunities. Sometimes you get uh, either at the tail end of the first round or the second or third round. There's so many unbelievable superstars that teams have been smart enough to pick either at the end of the first round or the second, third, fourth round. You just have to find them, and maybe Moss is one of them. We'll have to see. But they got a lot of holes. They got a lot of holes to fill. You know, to Dad's point, the offensive line I think is no longer a strength. It was never like great. Oh, you mentioned the offensive line. You think uh, Kyle Long? He's gonna hurt. You know, they got rid of him. Well, he's retired. Well, that's why they're. Well, that's well. The, yeah, I mean them leaving. And he was a good player. Well, them leaving. They 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 have you picking up somebody in free agency, and it's a Seattle guard. And their run game, you know, and blocking's, you know, pretty pretty reasonable. And 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 they also have you picking up offensive linemen in the in the draft but, as well. But, but the biggest disappointment to me, though, when you talk about the line, was really not so much the pass protection, but it was the run blocking. Yeah, uh, yeah, the run blocking was catastrophic, bad. I, because you got two really good running backs, and. Uh, they weren't able to get anything last year. I mean, no, no, no place to run, no holes. Yeah, no, that's it's. It is sad when you really kind of build yourself on that, and you've just over the course of the year how much you can change, how that looks. Yeah, they had you know they had maybe you know, two or three games where they had decent rushing totals, but I mean they had a lot of games, especially in the second half. I mean they had a lot of games where you look at the stat after the game, you're like, oh, they had you know, twenty five rushes for you know, 35 yards at the end of the game. It was, some of the stuff, these stats were ludicrous yeah. on the running. Well, again, Joe, don't, don't you think that's the offensive line? They're not making holes for him to run? I would, yeah. I would, I would say, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's some, some kind of coaching, I mean, too. You, yeah, if coaching. If there's it's, no holes, how are you going to get Well, they need better. Yeah, they need better. gain anything? They well, need I agree better. with you, but they need better coaching, too, whoever the line coach is, or a better scheme for blocking the run. I think we're seeing that the defensive coaching was definitely hurt by Fangio not being there this year, or you know, this year having left for Denver. Um, the one guy I thought was funny. Speaking of like a whole bunch of draft picks I've never heard of, the very last round they have them picking up a running back. I'd never heard of him. J.J. Taylor, they had him picking him up. I'd never heard of him. He is a running back from Arizona. Huh. He. They had said basically he's touted to sort of be the next kind of Tariq Cohen, like a little guy, fast, but like, but like super powerful, like really want to run into people and stuff. So I watched his highlight tapes, and this guy is absolutely terrifying. Like how how awesome it is to watch this guy play. But but, but when's he gonna go? Is he gonna go in the first round? Oh, no, he's like the last round, last round pick, last round pick, and this guy's that good. They're they're. 
the one thing that you run into is the reason like Tariq didn't go early is you go, okay, well, they're, it's, it's, it's a lower competitive division. And it's like when I had my friends constantly telling me that Tariq Cohen was D2 and he shouldn't get picked. And then you're like, wow, he's absolutely amazing. Like, you know, I, they just have him going down because there are more people in the class that should go above him necessarily. But, but I think he's kind of one of those hidden gems in it. Well, I mean, it sounds like he's a good pick, so don't get me wrong. I mean, I'd be all for picking him if he's as good as you think he is. I, all I'm trying to say is I think they need some, some dramatic uh, run-blocking improvement in the line, and, and, and probably a lot of it's scheme, but some of it might be players. Yeah. You know, one other quick thought. You mentioned tight end before we totally leave that. Did you see – now, granted, it's going to cost them some bucks, but you just mentioned about all this cap space they're going to open up. Do you see two of the top tight ends are free agents? Well, who? Yeah, I know Austin this. Hooper and Hunter Henry. Hunter Hunter looks like they're going to put a, fr- a franchise tag on him yeah. this year. Yeah, I wouldn't um, be surprised if neither one of them ends up leaving. But I'd be but I'd be completely fine with Hooper. It sounds like they by letting him get to this stage, the Falcons are kind of showing their hand. But uh, I've heard a lot of interest in Hooper. Also, um, both these guys are only twenty five years old. Yeah, I mean I've got another one for you too. It sounds like the Bucks are looking to shop out Howard. And I actually like I like OJ Howard at least. Yeah, from it his, depends on how much he's going to sign for because I tell you, last couple of years he's not done much. Well, th- they were talking a lot about how he's kind of suffered under the scheme that they're playing in, but he is kind of that Trey Burton. He's a he's like a running, catching, move around tight end, which I think works well with with Nagy probably. Oh, I mean, I I love the physical skills. The guy's got all the talent in the world. Uh, I just don't know. And Hooper would be fine too. And Hooper would be a, yeah. a great pickup if they could get him. Well, so, the, when it's funny you were talking about that. So like free agency predictions I have down here. Um Austin Hooper uh, they're trying to say something about how possibly the Bills might make a splash on him, but it, the Bears could very much be in that conversation. But there's a lot of people out there on the free agency wire, like you said, Hunter Henry, who might be franchised. But, you know, just because you're franchised doesn't mean no one can make offers to trade on him, I guess. But you have Hunter, uh, Hunter Henry, Austin Hooper, and Eric Ebron are actually all out on the free uh, the free agent wire. And, and Ebron even has shown, you know, that he's got, you know, skills to still get out there and and bang around a bit, although it looks like uh, e- Ebron, it's possible the predictions are sitting more with like the Patriots or even uh, the Dolphins are actually on, on the head front page to get a lot of people because they've got a lot of cap space. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned the Patriots, and the biggest surprise to me, I suppose, is the Patriots uh, last year hadn't picked up, you know, a big stud tight end because when you look at what derailed the Patriots' season, because they had a, a great defense, for example. They had Brady. They had, you know, I guess the running backs were kind of exposed a little bit. Uh, but the biggest thing they were missing is they had no Gronkowski, you know, yeah. with a bullet. I mean, that was the biggest thing they were missing. Their offense really struggled. So I'm surprised they haven't done more to try to get, you know, and maybe they will this year. You know, to your point with the the big tight ends. Have you managed to? Have you seen any Dolphin games, Grandpa? You've, any 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 idea what's going on with the Dolphins right now? I can't hear. The Dolphins. Any, any idea I, what's I really funny? don't know much about the Dolphins. So know. so the Dolphins have basically been in like super rebuild uh, right now because they've... Oh, okay. So last year, last year they kind of went down the toilet and then kind of dug themselves back out inconveniently <laughs> at the end of the year by, by winning a bunch of games. Um, 
In other I'm words, they're not, they're not doing too good. Well, they're well, they're about to because basically the reason they weren't doing so good is because they had amassed <laughs> a bunch of picks <laughs> and cleared a lot of cap space. So suddenly they're actually looking like a favorite to bring a lot of people in, and a lot of free agency predictions were actually talking about Melvin Gordon not staying in in a in L.A. and possibly going to well, <laughs> going I, to the Dolphins. I, I don't know about the Dolphins, maybe, but I, I do think there's a very good chance that uh, Gordon won't be there with San Diego. Oh, uh, actually, L.A. Yeah, Chargers. But I think there's an excellent chance he won't be there because they go to Austin Eckler. And uh, they got another guy in there who's actually halfway decent. His name escapes me right uh, now. Johns, uh, Joe, no, not Joe Johnson. But, uh, something like that. But with Eckler there, I mean, Eckler was sensational last year. Yeah. And I, they probably, you know, it was nice to have, but I mean, probably don't need both of them. Well, because the Dolphins' run game has been kind of abysmal, obviously, because they got rid of Drake and uh, their backups have not been particularly helpful. So yeah. obviously bringing someone like Melvin Gordon in would be good, and they've got the money to do it. It sounds like, um, and they're mainly they've stashed a ton of picks uh, from trades and um, as a couple of uh, wide receivers also out there, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Robbie Anderson, uh, Rashad Perriman, they're, they're all out on the free agency wire and they are and predicted mainly that Robbie Anderson actually might be going to the Raiders this year. So I don't know what the Jets are going to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this year, if you lose Robbie Anderson in the out there, I mean, I know they still got like Crowder and all that, but it's it's not good. Things are not looking good for the Jets because it sounds like they might lose Le'Veon Bell too to trade. I guess he's not rubbing well, he's not rubbing Gase the right way. So yeah, that's always a risk when you bring in somebody like that as a free agent, big money free agent, and. And maybe he's not that enthusiastic about the team that he he's landed with. Uh, it's always a risk when you bring in a free agent like that. But yeah, he was not. I mean, the team itself obviously wasn't that good, the Jets. But I mean, Levy and Bell just did not look like the same guy who was with the Steelers. No matter how you slice it and dice it, he just didn't. Yeah. And Robbie Anderson, you need that field stretcher. So if they don't have him, that will be a considerable hit. Although he's had a. Not so much last year, but a couple of years. He's had a lot of injuries, though. Missed a ton of games. So I think I have two last thoughts here. The one here is uh, superstars, something something to kind of look out for on the that are out for a trade, Poss- possible trade uh, deals going on here. Stephon Diggs, <laughs> uh, a lot of words going on about possible trades for him. Who, yeah. who, who do you think? He, he would look good in a bear uniform, yeah. I think. <laughs> Stephon Diggs would definitely look good in a bear uniform, although I'm assuming it would make him even angrier than when he was in <laughs> Minnesota. Um, so what? What? What do you? What have you got uh, in terms of? Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think what te- teams that could really, you know, really think they're going to use a wide receiver like him. Obviously, like a team like the Patriots comes to mind, um, based on the fact that they don't have any particular high-ranking wide receivers. I mean, Julian Edelman's there, but they don't have that other kind of go-to there. Yeah, they need, the, like, the deep play guy. That's what yeah. they need. They uh, thought they had it with Gordon, but I, they need some deep play guy. You think the Bears are going to do good next year? I think it's it's really it's really sharply going to depend on how they handle this offseason. I think it's particularly, I think, in a ranking. In a ranking system out there, they had said that the Bears are number three in terms of how high the stakes are 
for their off season. They haven't they haven't been using the running game enough. Well, I think it's yeah. Always, I mean, the problem with passing, no running. Well, what's a it's a real shame when you see some of these teams and they don't need the running game as much because they can get good at the passing game, but. The Bears just haven't seemed to be able to take advantage of that. But it's one of those things where that that's why it's going to depend so much on what happens in the offseason because what you're hoping to see is you're hoping to see them make improvements at tight end, at offensive line play, um, and, and, you know, uh, hopefully now giving Mon- you know Montgomery another year here, you see him maybe now come into this you know, a little more prepared for it, but hopefully the talent around him gets better. And maybe the, you know, once they get a more reliable line, maybe they can actually count on them to provide run support. Well, I just, I think that Montgomery and Tariq Cohen, like I said earlier, are really good running backs and yeah, they're not, uh, super duper stars, but but they're very good. But unless that line blocking improves the run blocking, you know, you're not going to get a lot of rushing yards. It's as simple as that. And I thought the blocking was horrible last year for run blocking. Yeah, those are two I, good backs. I, I agree. I think Montgomery is a good running back. Well, I've got well, I've got two more. I've got two more names here that might sound nice in a Bears uniform, well, I, whether, whether or not they could get them or not. Yeah. Okay. I was just going to say one thing though, the yeah, end, to kind of follow up on Cut. Dad's point is, as far as the, you know, you're going to have Trubisky still there. So as long as Trubisky's still there, it's going to put severe limits on the offense because I know he said he's okay, but the thing is, okay is not really good enough. If you want to make a splash in the playoffs, all these teams, for the most part, have done really well in the playoffs or won Super Bowls, have these superstar quarterbacks. You know, they don't have mediocre or okay quarterbacks. So I think they're going to ride Trubisky because he's got one year left on his deal and it's really cheap because if they sign a quarterback, it's going to cost them $25 million. Like Winston, for example. Yeah. Like Winston's kind of polarizing. You think he's going to ask for that much money? If he, if he survives this next year, Trubisky, <laughs> that's what it costs. It, it's it's certainly going to cost over $20 million. Certainly, wow. be over, certainly be over $20 million. You know, i got to keep reminding you, you know, we brought over three years ago, this is three years ago, we brought over Mike Glennon from Tampa Bay, who was, not, who was their backup. He had been benched, and we paid him $16 million. Wow, I think on a one or two year deal, you're gonna if you if you are a starting quarterback in the NFL, you're going to make over twenty million a year. I mean that's that's what they're paying right now, and he, like Brady, you said Brady was ridiculous, and and, and I and I said on our last broadcast we had that on, that the sticking point with Brady is gonna be he wants two years and nobody wants to go more than one, and that's exactly what's happened. The thing is, I think Rodgers is making like thirty four thirty five million a year, something like that. Well, Rodgers is really a good quarterback. Well, so he, I think he's earned his money. Oh, I'm just well, saying. Well, in that right, I would say, like, like my dad's saying here, you know, I definitely think he's Brady's earned that that similar thing. Plus, plus, I think he's played at a particularly discounted rate all these years, and I think yeah. you kind of just want to finish with oh, a flourish. Oh, yeah, you know? I think you're right. Yeah, I think he was looking for like a, a one time, like a two year. Kind of thank you payment, you know, for all that underpaying they had been doing for you know a decade or more, and uh, he's probably looking for a two-year deal, sixty million, sixty-two million, or whatever. <laughs> well, well, they had a lot. And, they, they that's had, what they're that's what they're paying. I mean, they had a lot of they had a lot of those Super Bowl years where you, he stood he sat around and watched Rogers making you know twenty-five million a year, and Brady's salary was only about thirteen. 
you know, because he basically just said, I want you guys to go out and get other people, you know, and yeah, I have it worked well for, it worked well for Boston, of course. I have but, to give him credit for that is that he was like dramatically underpaid. It's not like, you know, yeah. they were, somebody was, you know, top guys making 20 and he was making 18. Like you say, it was like, tw- like 25 to 13, something like that. It was pretty dramatic. Now, I, like I say, one thing he did that was kind of negative is that he wanted to make darn sure that his replacement wasn't on the roster. <laughs> He did do that, which all of his kind backups of a detriment. Are, all of his backups have been moved around. But he's been a good teammate from the standpoint of really taking big cuts in pay uh, so they could you know, get some players into the cap. Well, heaven forbid if he leaves, you know, that they, they wouldn't win six more Super Bowls the minute he leaves anyway because <laughs> they would have Jimmy G at the helm. Um. So, I mean, the other, two, the other two names I had on there was apparently the Lions are shopping out Darius Slay now, who's still got some years. I think he's got another couple, another year or two at ten, ten and a half million, I think. Yeah, he's supposed to be a really good cover corner. I don't know. I, I saw him have a few bad games last year, although he had a pretty decent year as a whole. But he's supposed to be a really good cover guy. Yeah, I have a, I have a bad feeling about what the Lions are trying to turn themselves into this year. Cause they're, cause you think the, they're trying to get the first pick next year? No, I was, was going to say, it sounds, kind of, it sounds kind of tankish to me because you're trying to trade Stafford and Slay, and I'm sure if they have any other assets, they'll start thinking about it. But Well, I thought I read today they're going to keep Stafford, supposedly. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that I'm, I'm wondering if the market at his pay might be kind of hard, too, especially in a trade scenario. I mean, there's maybe there's a, free, a better free agent market for Stafford, but... Maybe the trade market isn't as lucrative as you'd think, but um, and then and then OJ Howard is the other one, just because it sounds like it sounds like he more didn't fit under the system and less that he's not good enough to play. I think he's got plenty of talent and everything, but he you know he just kind of flew under the radar a little. Believe me, no one's no one is more frustrated with OJ Howard than his fantasy football <laughs> owners the last couple of years. Because um, I think he's got great talent. I, I said earlier, he's got all the talent in the world. And yeah. it'll be interesting to see if he, you know, blossoms under a different scheme or a different system somewhere else. It's quite possible. He's tremendous uh, talent. All right. Well, the risk of, um, well, I want to put us under another scenario. I know we're going to have a few of these coming up. I mean, but uh, the people picking things and then us using it against them later. It's kind of our this a staple around here, Mister 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 twenty to thirteen Super Bowl prediction. <laughs> I was uh, wrong. Well, you well you got you got San Francisco's score right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was pretty amazed. You got San Francisco twenty. I didn't make a very good prediction. <laughs> well, I told you when you gave that score, it was twenty to thirteen San Francisco. I I said, I really wish. You were the guy in Vegas who was responsible for setting the the over under total because we all could all be rich. Well, I remember telling I told you the one thing I thought was really weird was how it went from being nothing like the game I described to being exactly the game I described on the yeah. podcast because I think I had the totals off by about three points on each team, and I and I also remember saying on the podcast that Damian Williams would be the X factor, and of course he ended up having two touchdowns in that game and had a pretty big impact on the offense but yeah you you, you came actually uh, pretty close on that game but i will say after three quarters it wasn't looking too good for you no it wasn't i actually thought i thought grandpa was going to pull that one off 
Um, uh, it seems like uh, San Francisco. I still think San Francisco has the better overall team, but they yeah. just. You know, this happens a lot with these NFC teams. They get in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl and they turn into a pumpkin. That's basically what happened to them. Oh, my God. The last five minutes is unbelievable. Wow. Well, so the so the one thing I know, we'll, we'll, we'll end up doing something for March Madness. I know I want to get Bart involved in that as well. I'm sure he'll enjoy that. But uh, um, here's a good one f- for us. I, I want to – I'll start with uh, Grandpa over there and kind of – I want to – I want to figure out where where do you think Brady is going to be this year, when when we when we start week one, where's Brady going to be? Well, I would like to see Brady on the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> it, it could happen. Anything's possible. But my guess is that they're not willing. They might not be willing to take that chance. And if I was Brady, I wouldn't take that chance either. Well, where do you? He's not going to wind up on the Bears. So where do you no, think? No, I'm he's, only kidding. Well, where do you think he's going to wind up, though? What team you think he'll be on, Dad? Gun to your head. Where is Brady <laughs> going to be week one? If you had to put a vet in bet in Vegas, I would say Detroit. Well, they already have Matthew Stafford. Well, Brady's better than him. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, <laughs> Detroit is no threat to winning anything. I mean, why would they? Why would they take Brady? See, I would think he's going to go to a team where if they just add Brady, they feel like they can win it all. I'm really not sure where, where, what team can really use him. I don't know. Of course, a lot of teams can use him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Where do you think he would go? Yeah. What about you? Well, like I said, I think if he leaves, I still think there's a good chance he's going to stay with the Patriots no matter what he says. But I, I, like I said last time, I, I like the Raiders – there's probably other teams like the Chargers maybe that uh, feel that they're closer, but I, I, the Raiders' mentality, you know, their M.O. over the years has been to pick up these guys that uh, leave their longstanding teams and they think they can, you know, do well with them. So I still like the Raiders the best, but certainly certainly the Chargers and uh, and you mentioned um, the Titans. You know, those those are probably good Where landing spots. Where do you think spots. he would go, Jay? Um <clears throat> I actually thought the interesting thing was that was was him trying to trying to mess up the Colts relation to Manning by by Manning. Peyton Manning <laughs> by 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 them both kind of being enemies for so long in the league together that oh. he would then go to the Colts and become you know, if oh, he could win them a Super Bowl. I didn't Bowl know they were enemies. They, I mean, they played each other so much in big games yeah, at pro- the time. Oh. Probably, they're really rivals. The, I mean, the, yeah, enemies, they're not. Yeah. I mean, they're friends in real life. But that's the um, only reason I didn't think he would go to the Colts. Although, yeah, it'd probably be a good fit to be honest. He might might end up there. But I just mentally, I didn't know if he wanted to like be in the shadow of, of yeah. Manning over there. But. I would, I would say my top. If I had to give it three places, you'll either still see him on the Patriots. Um. He he'll probably end up either there or the Raiders, or I think, on some weird occasion, just because it's Brady and I'm sure Brady can get anything done he wants, he'll end up in San Francisco. I think New York can use him too. I'm sure they could. I'm New just York assuming he doesn't want any. He, I'm assuming he doesn't want anything to do with them. Manny's not doing that good with New York. Well, they got Jones now. Or, uh, yeah, Daniel, Dan- Jones. Daniel Daniel Jones is the quarterback now. I think Manning's retired, if I recall. So at least he's off the Giants. We know. I thought he so, retired. So I know the other one that I just it was San Francisco, just because I know he wants to be there, and I think they think it would be. They probably would think it was an interesting splash. Plus, the system is um, really in place where 
I think maybe he makes them just a tiny bit better, and all they needed to do was be a tiny bit better. Boy, you've really got the San Francisco burr under you, haven't you? I think I just, it's one of those things that, like, uh, the main thing that I was thinking was when they said he could leave, the place he would have to go would be able to pay him. They would have to, they either have to be able to pay him insane amounts of money, provide something he really wants, and then they would have to, probably at the same time, they'd have to be almost already really good, but just need the slight bump from crunch time. Just because when you put Brady in in the fourth quarter, you know, his mentality is going to be a lot more stable. Like, I think him structuring a drive in the fourth quarter is probably more reliable than than Garoppolo on a general sense. You'd but, probably be relieved that he'd have a tight end again. Yeah, and so the reality is, like, that that scenario is one where San Francisco couldn't necessarily pay him, but he's from that area, and he idolizes Joe Montana. So now suddenly he gets a chance to be the quarterback for San Francisco, and he can probably take them to a Super Bowl. So that gives, So that's the team being able to offer him something, and even if they can't pay him obscene amounts of money, they can get him to a Super Bowl. Yeah. He gets to be on the 49ers. Yeah, you make a good point, Jay. So, so that's, that's one of the reasons why they became something where, like, I understood just because of the fact that they fit a criteria as opposed to... So, like, um, Las Vegas fits the criteria because they they can just spit money in his face. <laughs> you know, and they're like, hey, you get to go to Vegas and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, yeah, you know, here's $60 million for two years. You know, not a problem, man. We got you. You know, and um, you know, so they fit that bill. I mean, Tennessee's rough because they can't pay. They can't pay him. I think because if they're going to get Tannehill, they're going to try and pay him a lower amount of money. So they're not going to pay Brady, you know, thirty million. I think, but so like they can't. So some of those get kind of rough. But but that's that's why San. That's why I keep bringing up San Francisco is just because I think it it fits into a narrative of something that gives him something. It you know. definitely could happen. I mean, don't get me wrong. I yeah. kid about it earlier, but especially the part you mentioned about he really loves to play in San Francisco. That's that's the key. Yeah. I'm just saying it would be kind of funny, though, because first uh, Brady <laughs> kicks a grapple out of New England. <laughs> then he go and kick him out of San Francisco. Right. <laughs> They're developing a Brady complex over there. <laughs> He's Garoppolo. Move Garoppolo to the Patriots again, and then every year he'd be wondering when Brady yeah. was going to come back. <laughs> The next, the, team he goes, yeah, the next time he goes, next time he goes to, he'll be looking over his shoulder again. Where's that Brady character? <laughs> Actually, I think Brady should retire. <laughs> I, he's got more money he knows what to do with. Yeah, he, I mean, between him and his wife, between him years. and his wife, he cert- they certainly they he's certainly money's up not in an years, issue. And he can well, very, very easily get hurt. Well, the is thing it, is, it worth it? Well, the thing he's really relied on is that realistically, in terms of a major injury, he's only had it happen one time in his career, and it was quite a yeah, quite a while you know, ago. You never but, know. You just never know. Well, you never know. But but in both scenarios where he stays in New England, where he's had good luck avoiding stuff, mainly because people just don't get to him. But at the same time, for a guy who plots around the way he does, <laughs> he really never takes any giant hits. He's and had, it seems a, he's had crazy. a good career. Yeah, but it's just one of those things where I think like he's he's in such unbelievable shape still that the reality is there's still there's a competitive feeling in there and and obviously 
I think for him, the an achievement that'd be kind of cool is obviously going to another team, and if he could win a Super Bowl quick, it'd be kind of interesting. Especially I if he could that, take someone like San Francisco or something, he could do that. I think he's got but, a beautiful wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're not alone in the in the thought. <laughs> not alone. <laughs> she 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 also makes a ton of money too, which that that's a very nice <laughs> quality to have. A nice combo, huh? Yeah, she's a very pretty woman. Well, I think you make a very good point, Dad. I, I, about his wife? Well, no, I mean, about, <laughs> <laughs> well, that one was probably that was probably a good one too, I'm I suppose. Only, but I'm only kidding. <laughs> Go ahead, Joe. But uh, about the Brady, 43 years old. Uh, yeah, he's getting I, up in years. I, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think he should retire too because as good a shape as he's in, as Jay mentioned, I mean. Uh, Here's the NFL. All takes is one hit, and all that changes. You just never know. He could walk away if with a 20-year career, winning six Super Bowls, and all the money in the universe, and a supermodel wife, yeah. and a mansion, this and that. He he's got the king. He's the king of the world. Well, I just he I'd takes hate. one bad hit, and that could be it. I mean, he could be paralyzed. Hey, he could that's be. Right. He could be. Paralyzed. He could be crippled. You know, well, it's, well, well, it takes us one hit. I mean, well, I, all don't, I'm hoping, I don't think it's worth it. That's well, all. well, all I'm hoping is I'm just hoping that after he goes through all this crap, I'm hoping that's not what ends up happening. Well, no, I, no, I would rather him that. just go ahead and decide that so we don't have to talk about it anymore. But that's that's not really Tom Brady's M.O. is to not leave people hanging. But no, but, it all, you know, it all gets back to that philosophical question. If you're and we not see it with athletes, but you can see it in any profession, acting or any other profession, what do you do? Should you retire when you're on top or pretty close to on top, or do you literally you wait till you get carried out on your shield, you know, in battle? Yeah. Well, the thing is, he's on top now. Well, that's what I'm saying. He can go out on top right, right. now and be perfectly healthy and happy and everything. And what's I guess the thing is, what's obviously he does it because he likes the action. You know, he wants to be in the field to play. But well, yeah, but what's, what's, he's what's, been, been doing it so many years, he would miss it. Yeah. Oh yeah, but what what was there for him to prove anymore, really? Uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, I think it's just a it's just a normal kind of competitive drive and everything, and the love for doing it. I mean, I mean, realistically, if he if he was to walk away from the game, I mean, there's not a single person in the world that would blame him for it. I I would just rather him not drag everybody through the mud for. You know, you, you turn everybody into a bunch of you know bloodsuckers and everything, and, and then he just retires at the end of, at the end of all of it while we're all speculating everything. But I mean, we'll see. Uh, worst case, I think I can't tell because everyone keeps saying, you know, if someone put a gun to my head, I would just tell you he's going to be back on the Patriots. If you wanted me to give you something fun, I'd say he'll he'll be on the Forty ers next year. <laughs> you know, but. But they had the whole thing with that, with where he's at a thing with Edelman, and Edelman supposedly blurts out, you know, he's coming back. Yeah. You know, and. Well, that's what I was trying to say earlier. You just never know if such a thing that he keeps talking about, Brady not going back, is, is it just a negotiating ploy. I mean, they only want to give him one year deal, he wants two, so he threatens the lead. I mean, you just never know. But I, I just, at 43 years old, it just seems hard to believe that he would change teams after 20 years on the Patriots over. Relatively small amounts yeah. of money to him. I mean, I, I know it's all pride at this point, but still, I, so yeah, he could leave. But I still, my my bet is still staying with the Patriots. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's hard to see him leave. Yeah, I think I think I'd have to probably go with that as a my logical pick. As much as I, 
as much as I love the trans, that's the reason, I, the main reason all these things are so like, you know, I'll, I'll have YouTube going through a headphones, constantly watching videos about free agent prospects and stuff. I'm just in love with the transaction. Sometimes it's not even about it really making any sense for anybody involved, but it's just fun to see new things happen and see, you know, and, and obviously at the end of the day, even when things don't make sense, sometimes people move teams and then they become better or they, they fit a scheme better. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, for the bears, it's going to be very, it's probably going to be very low key for the most part. Sounds like, you know, maybe, maybe they can make a splash if they cut the right people, they can make a splash in the rusher market, even picking up like a JPP or something. Apparently he might even be either asking for money or be on, be on the release block, but, um, yeah, it's going to be kind of low key. And well, I mean, the, the state of their season will rest on what they do right now or what they do, you know, what the, well, the tag window starts on Thursday and I believe, um, the free agency pool starts on the 18th, I want to say. So once that all starts to come around and then you've got the draft, depending on how they handle all that, I mean, they could make, it's going to rest on what they do in the next, you know, month or two here. Um, yeah, yeah. I think if there's, well, I say they have a lot of holes to fill, but if they're smart, uh, they'll try to draft a quarterback because <laughs> <laughs> it all starts from there. Yeah, with the Bears and their track record, and, and, I know and it's usually not good. It, usually it all ends there and as it well. It all ends there, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> all right, well, uh, I appreciate everybody having tuned in. Do we have any final thoughts here before we uh, before we close this? Do you got any, you got any final words? <laughs> well, the only thing I just hope the Cubs do good. That's what I hope. They're a really exciting team. Yeah. No, that's it's it's the pain of being and a when, Chicago fan. I'm not pl- done fan, yet with the lineup that I gave you. <laughs> they they can't miss the playoffs only, with the, with only the with lineup, that lineup that I give you. Everybody out there listening, because this is the only way we can win is if you use that lineup. <laughs> they can't miss with this lineup. <laughs> the, if they deviate from that lineup just once, we I... lose. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, right. The other thing is, you want to see Malcolm Subin play. <laughs> or whatever his name is. I would like to see him play, yeah. <laughs> well, like like Dad said, when once they once they mathematically eliminate themselves, you'll see him or once or if Corey Crawford starts mathematically eliminating them. As long as Crawford keeps winning, they're not gonna take him out. Yeah. yeah. Not not while they're mathematically in the playoff hunt, you're right. I mean they'll they'll leave them in there probably about every game. Unless you have a back to back, you know, consecutive days maybe, but yeah, they'll ride they'll ride him for the rest of the year if they can. All right. Well some lovely thoughts. I, I definitely I enjoyed having uh both you guys on. It's this is a it's a nice setup here too, so I so I you know, I appreciate both you guys taking the time and Grandpa, I appreciate you uh, making a Cubs roster for us. <laughs> That's uh, something the world needs. Well, I it was think nice it's... talking to you too, Jay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that lineup's a winner. <laughs> that, that, or so he says. They can't lose with my lineup. <laughs> um, I, I, I say I'm, I'm open that uh, David Ross is listening yeah. in. Yeah. Pick up a few pointers. <laughs> there it is. It's the pick only way you can win. <laughs> 
And next next time you're on, though, would you draw us a list of the starting and relief pitchers, though, that you want to use? <laughs> I want to see what the rotation's going to look like. Well, we, we talked about it, but I want to see who you think's going to make the final cut. Yeah, and then, then you're going to have to also make the Blackhawks uh, lines for us <laughs> with the best combination of lines is including Subban in, in all of the lines because you need to see him play. Well, I'm not going to tell you guys where you can listen to us at because I made that mistake already, and you're clearly listening to us if you if you need that information. You can hear us on the thing you're listening to right now. Um but you can find us on Facebook under Surviving the Ground, uh, on Twitter at the STG Podcast. Um, available on various platforms now because we're on Spotify and Apple Play or Apple Music or Apple Podcasts. Um, I'd like to thank my dad, Joe Adante, my grandpa, Joe Adante, for uh, being here. And hopefully we can bring you a either, depending on who's here next time, either bring back the a trio or have the four piece together at some point here but um yeah well it was nice talking to you jay you've done a nice job thank you i couldn't do it without the without the rest of the crew yeah i'll tell you these are a lot of fun so i hope people uh who do listen they have as much fun as we have making them <laughs> well they got they got to have some fun they're they're sure fun to listen back to <laughs> Analyze. They them. must be having some fun if they last a whole two hours. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still here, I hope you're not completely miserable. Hopefully, you're still awake. <laughs> <laughs> this is just playing to deaf ears right now. <laughs> that's why. That's why I know that no one's listening at the end. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing somebody going home and seeing their seeing their husband or whatever just passed out on the couch with the STG podcast on their phone. <laughs> And just hearing stuff in their ears. <laughs> yeah, it's, hey, you know, it's it's uh, very inexpensive to listen to us. A sure cure for insomnia. <laughs> no prescription needed. All right, everybody have a good night. Uh, if you're driving, pay attention to the road, please. If you're not, then you don't have to pay attention to the road, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good night, wake everybody. <laughs> Time to wake up now. Are we off? Now we are. <laughs>